Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for hanging out here with me. You know, these midweek pods were really supposed to be like straight up old school previews of the upcoming Bears game. That's That was my intended goal. That's what I was thinking. Like, if you go back to the one I did before the Packers game, that's what it's supposed to be. And the last two have not been that. Sure, there are pregame elements to it and previews that we give you a little bit. We'll give you a little bit about this game against Kansas City, but the story about the Bears has been the Bears. It is, uh, wow. I'm going to try to give you as much lucid reaction to everything that's happened with the Bears over the last five days or longer, I guess a week, right? It was a week ago that we found out that Allen Williams wasn't calling the defense against Tampa Bay. And try to make as much sense of it as I can. Let's start with the Allen Williams stuff, and then, you know what? Let's not. Let's start with the quarterback stuff. Let's start with Justin and the things that he had to say, what I think it means, what I think happens from here. I, for one, was very happy to see Justin Fields talk about what's gone on in what I feel like was a very truthful way. I enjoy learning from the people that I cover. I was having a conversation. I was actually talking with Big Ann about this a little while ago. How, despite Jay Cutler's faults, and his faults are legion, I always enjoyed asking him questions because he would give me, and most of the people that covered the Bears when I covered the Bears on a daily basis, he would give good answers to good questions. So you tried to come with a good question, and Jay would usually recognize a good question and try to give you a good football answer. I actually learned a lot of football from Jay Cutler. I appreciate when people let us inside the curtain. And I thought that's what Justin Fields was doing. He was letting us know, yeah, maybe I'm not succeeding and I'm playing robotically because of everything that, that I'm being coached. And that's that's not necessarily 
a shot at the coaches. It just may be they're giving me a lot, and I'm trying to figure out how to make it all work. And I'm not doing a good job of it right now. There was no point in when I was listening to Justin talk about everything that's gone wrong with the Bears offense, the things that he hasn't done well, did I think that he was pushing responsibility onto the coaches and taking none for himself? I think he, I think he took a great deal of criticism. He put a great deal of criticism on himself while also pointing out, saying, hey, I'm, I'm still trying to figure all this stuff out. I do feel for him from a teacher standpoint. I look through things through that lens quite a bit. It is, I think, been one of the things that's made me a better person is having interactions with students and trying to figure stuff out. My students are Justin's age. So while I don't think I know everything... I think I have some insight into dealing with this generation of student. They're really smart. They're really passionate. They have a different way of communicating. And when it comes to teaching, and I mean whether we're talking about on the field or off, and I I know that people like to make football like this monolith, I, I think that you have to go about teaching them differently. I also think that every student, has a different way of getting the information. Every student doesn't catch on. Not every teacher is right for every student. I'm not trying to indict Luke Getze because I don't know what his style is. He seems pretty laid back. I thought that his approach to answering questions about what's happened over the last few days has been on point. Yeah, we we might not agree on things. And it's okay for there to be a little bit of conflict between quarterback and offensive coordinator. A little bit of conflict between head coach, offense coordinator, and quarterback to try and get to the thing that is going to make the Bears offense successful. I'm good with that. I truly am. I thought that he, Matt Eberflus, and Justin all handled that part really well. I I am stuck, though, because in in Justin's appeal after his press conference where he called the reporters back into the locker room to talk about some of this stuff, there is a part of me that I understand why he feels like he was taken out of context. And I understand anyone who says, no, the context was that you're not getting what you necessarily need from the coaching. I can see both sides of it. It's also pretty eye-opening to have a player speak as honestly as Justin was speaking on Wednesday. The other thing is, and it's the bigger problem, 
The bigger problem is that it's week three. It is week three. And we are still doing this. Things have not gotten better. And that is on the coaches. It is on Justin Fields. And now the question becomes, what do any of them do about it? What a bad time to try and make it all work. Where you have to make it work by going to play the Kansas City Chiefs at their place. I think that there are some things that the Bears, I I shouldn't say could, I guess could is the right word. Like So far, Kansas City has not played well. Can the Bears take advantage of the fact that they're not playing well? What we've seen in the first two weeks would lead one to believe that it's a bad matchup for them. And then you add in everything that's happened this week. You have the left tackle being out. I, I'm still not convinced that, that Braxton Jones is good, but he's their best left tackle, which would mean that you are at a deficit going into the game. That part is, so I'm guessing what you'll see is Mercedes Lewis lined up on the left side outside of Larry Borum a lot to try and and handle some of the pressure that they're going to see, whether that pressure is just with the front of Kansas City or if they decide to turn it loose and come after Justin Fields. I still say the way to beat Justin Fields right now is to keep seven pairs of eyes on him maybe eight pairs of eyes on him and let him try to figure it out while your front three or front four go after the Bears and their bad offensive line. And we'll see. That offense for Kansas City has seemed stale. And I think it's because they don't have enough weapons on the outside. I really like Sky Moore. I think he's he's a talent, and I think he fits exactly what Patrick Mahomes is going to do. My fear is that he is going to cook this week. Tampa Bay attacked Tyreek Stevenson last week. It's been one of the things that we haven't talked a ton about because there's been other things to talk about when it comes to the Bears. I would expect there to be a lot of attention paid to Travis Kelsey as it should be, because there's no one better at that position than him. And there's going to be some opportunities for Sky Moore to make plays, and I'm worried that he is going to make those plays. Ordinarily, I can give you a case. Like, I gave you a case in the Green Bay game, and I gave you a case in the Tampa game for the Bears to win. I don't know if I can if I can do that for this game. The line is 12 and a half. I was joking. I was on with the guys from VEASAN. I was like, I might even go alternate line on this game. 12 and a half seems like a layup to me. And the only thing that would stop me from betting it 
is that the offense of Kansas City has been so constipated. There would be nothing better than a Patriots-esque performance from Justin Fields. Would love to see it. It would, it would, even if they lost, it would make me feel better. So we shall see what they come up with. But it hasn't been encouraging. When we come back, I want to talk about the Allen Williams resignation and Matt Eberflus's tenure as head coach of the Bears. We'll do that next. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I try desperately to not judge a book by its cover. It's a dangerous precedent. When Matt Eberflus was hired, my feeling about Eberflus was he seems kind of ordinary. He seems like your typical football coach. The, the way I was explaining it to Russ and Tony Gill on the Sports Adjacent podcast, which is up right now, also on House of L. You should check it out. It's a really, I think it's a really fun episode. I feel like Matt Eberflus would crush it in the Sun Belt and crush it in the Mac. That's what his personality profile says to me. His coaching personality profile says, here's a guy that might be able to do more with less by playing the underdog card with college kids. I'm not sure that any of that translates to the professional ranks. And I think that it's, it's, we're getting close to time to ask the question if he's up for this challenge. The challenge has been huge. You do have a young quarterback, and you're trying to figure out whether or not he's good. There's a general manager, and you're trying to figure out how can, how can I work with this general manager, even though we have the same agent? It's not like we've really worked together before. Is he giving me what I need to do what I need to do? I don't think that, that Ryan Poles has done a good job of giving Matt Eberflus what he needs on the defense. I, I do think that there are issues with how Poles has gone about building this roster. I have some strong feelings that strong opinions that he has made decisions that are more personal than business like. And so far, things have not 
worked out for him in that regard. He might be able to argue otherwise, and I I would enjoy a robust debate with him on some of these things. When it comes to Eberflus's handling of the Allen Williams situation, it hasn't been encouraging. I know that he's stuck in a bad spot. It seems clear that the Bears are trying to disassociate themselves with Allen Williams, which I'm cool with. If there was something untoward that happened at Hallis Hall or happened outside of Hallis Hall and the Bears are like, look... like, let's say it's not illegal. Like, we were talking about that today. Let's say that whatever Allen Williams did, if he did anything, wasn't illegal. Let's say it was just untoward. Let's say it was like, oh, that is not the type of person that we want in this building. I have never seen an organization run away from one of their employees faster than what I am seeing with Allen Williams. The fact that he resigned, and if this is a situation where you got a health issue or a mental health issue, why in the world would you give up the resources of the NFL? That's counterintuitive. The Bears have shown that they will back their people if they are going through a mental or physical ailment. We know that they what they did for Tariq Cohen to make sure that he got enough care that he could take care of himself. And now that once he got away from the Bears and, and got healthy, now luckily he signed to the Panthers uh, practice squad. I don't know if he's been elevated, but really happy for him that that's the case. They did the same thing for Zach Miller after that horrible injury that he suffered where he almost died. They kept him on the roster for, what, another year so that he could rehab. So it is within the McCaskey's heart to do the right thing in these situations. There's just a bunch of red flags here. As it pertains to the reporting on this, and I spent time on the radio show discussing it, and you know the House of L spends a lot of time talking about journalism. I say to Dan quite a bit that I feel like those of us who consider ourselves journalists or at least try to approach their job with journalistic integrity, which is probably a better descriptor of what I do as a talk show host. I, I feel like we've lost I feel like I'm fighting a losing battle. And that most people don't care. One of my biggest issues is that the the democratization of media, capital M, small m, quotation marks, has meant that there's a little bit of deregulation of media. 
there's an element to it that is a bit wild west and sports media is real bad you have people whose agenda and i don't mean that as a pejorative is they are fans who are trying to talk about the team and in some cases cheerlead for the team who will often throw hatchets at big box media, established media when they are critical of the team that person is a fan of. There, there are people that don't want to hear anything negative. So, like, when you're doing the Chase Claypool stuff, like, they're, oh, well, you're just doing this because of blank, or you're just doing this because of blank. If you're a self-run media company, so, like, House of L, for example, is self-run. I, on, on House of L, I only have to answer to me. I could say the craziest shit in the world on this podcast. And I could keep saying it. And the only consequence would be whatever I chose the consequence to be. I happen to work for two big box media companies. Along with my own integrity... I have to worry about the integrity of those brands. I have to worry about the integrity of NBC Sports Chicago and the score. And they have to worry about it in hiring me. There are provisions inside of my contract. I show it to my students every year. I show a portion of my contract to my students so that they understand when I'm explaining to them how people often misuse the First Amendment and free speech. They, people use it so wrong. Just so you know, it doesn't protect you from consequences. It protects you from the government. But I have two contracts that I've signed where they can say, hey, if you make the company look bad, you got to go. And I know what the the borders are there. I know what the the third rail stuff is for the score and for NBC Sports Chicago. I also know what my own personal line is, things that I will and will not say on the air or even on this podcast because I am still a representative of the score in NBC Sports Chicago, even though this is an independent podcast where theoretically I could say whatever I want because I'm the boss of House of L. If someone who has a big platform tweets out something that is not true, is defamatory, and we'll see if if some of the defam if, if there's stuff that is defamatory, if it ends up being litigated, but it's likely not going to be because it's proving defamation of character is really difficult. And costly. And most places just decide to move on. Most people decide to move on. In in cases of defamation. So. Because there are no consequences. 
you can go out and tweet crazy shit if you want. Because the the chances of you getting sued are are much smaller than me saying something sideways on the score, and the score, and me and Dan and Odyssey getting sued, and that that suit being successful. If I become a liability because I'm getting the company sued, they will get rid of me. There are no consequences for people who are out here on the continuum of sports coverage and news coverage when they say something crazy. And it emboldens people because you take a guess, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe you do get lucky and you end up coming up with something that is plausible and you might be right. And then what happens? Then you gain a following and you get your YouTube subscription up and that ends up correlating to dollars. Or you just like, like being that guy or that girl. Like you just like being famous like that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with Seeking a higher platform for yourself. The only thing is, what are your intentions? And what, what, are, what are your lines? And the independence, the way that media has moved over the last decade, people don't really have to declare. They don't have to declare what their lines are, and they can just kind of do what they want. It's dangerous. It can also be lucrative. If you do it right, there's some people who have made a, a, a killing figuratively in doing this. I'll just say crazy shit and someone will pick it up because networks need downloads. Networks need content so that they can use their sales arm. And what happens? That person ends up getting a getting rich and getting a platform. I was trying to explain to someone today, one of the listeners was like, well, Pat McAfee wouldn't, like he's got a big platform. Why would he? Popularity does not equal credibility. I'll say it again. Popularity does not equal credibility. I respect the hell out of what Pat McAfee has done. It's the American dream when it comes to media. He built up his own thing, invested his own money in it, got a big box company to buy him out at a crazy rate. While that makes him an incredible businessman, and I think a really good broadcaster doesn't make him a broadcast journalist. It doesn't make him a journalist, especially when we're talking about news stuff. And the thing is, is that McAfee can just do the shrug emoji if he's wrong. 
And people will just move on to the next crazy thing that he does. He does a moonsault off the top rope or whatever. We'll see how that relationship goes with ESPN if it turns out that McAfee says stuff that puts that puts ESPN in the line of fire of lawyers because of what he says on their air. It'll be interesting to see what provisions they have for that, if any. I suspect they do, but you never know. Sometimes people get blinded by, look at how many followers he's going to bring. Look at the, the, all of the things that he's going to bring to our digital outlets and just let it ride. This Alan Williams thing, I could literally teach a module to my students about this. How to try to cover it. What is the responsibility of media? Even like if we wanted to add in, like if we took this week at Hallis Hall, I could do at least a half a quarter on it. Even the Justin Fields stuff. Taken out of context, like we could discuss that and really break it down. But it's scary out here. There are times when I'm like, man, when I finally make the choice to walk away, hopefully, hopefully I'll be given the opportunity to walk away. I shouldn't just assume that. Um, How much of this will I consume? And am I just an old head? That goes through my mind, too. That's why I keep telling Dan, because Dan and I have similar but definitely not the same thoughts on journalism. And I'm like, we lost, Dan. We lost. I still think that having a free media is important, but I can tell you that the lines are so damn blurry. And I remember thinking this back in 2012, 2013, when I was anchoring a Channel 5. And I remembered doing sports, and the news anchors would be dressed in team colors on the night of a big game. And I was like, oh. And I always would, like, if the Blackhawks were playing in a Stanley Cup game, I would find some neutral color to wear. And I'd see the desk dressed up in red and black, and I'm like, oh, we're doing that? That's a blurry, fuzzy line for me. Don't like it. And then we find out years later that that team that you were rooting for was doing all sorts of awful stuff. And the news department has to cover that. Well, that looks weird when the news department is draped in red and black. But I feel like the horse has left the barn and there's not a lot to do except try to do the best that you can. Like, I, 
I think that we lost, but I haven't given up, if that makes any sense. I'm still trying to do the best type of journalism that I can. And I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn from some of, some of the success stories and some of the failures, doing the best that I can. But it's scary out here, and it's getting worse. So I'll just leave you with this. If you have sports journalists that you trust, pay attention to what it is that they share and how they share it. Because that'll give you an indicator of more trustworthy outlets and or journalists. You don't have to share everything that has your team's name on it. You don't have to share everything that you think furthers a story. Well, look at this. Look at what this person said. You have to ask yourself, is the person that said this worthy of me sharing and by sharing, promoting their product? Ask yourself that question before you retweet. And I think it's important to keep a track record on people. There are definitely NFL reporters who I'll never share their work because I know what they're doing. And I know that it's whack and that it's not good journalism. Think about all the times you heard Pat Fitzgerald's name come up as a pro prospect and who was saying it. Why were you saying it? Anyway, I just leave it there. I know it's supposed to be a preview, but, you know. I gave you a little bit of preview in the first half. I talked way longer than I expected to. It's a lot of chaos over at Hallis Hall. It would be quite the win for Matt Eberflus if his team could pull it out. It would go a long way to saying that he actually is prepared and qualified for the job of being an NFL head coach. We shall see. The line is still minus 12 and a half on KC. Make up your own mind what you want to do. I'll talk to you after the game, though. You know that. Talk to you next time. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.